welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. My name is AJ Kearns, and I'm proud to be your host here each and every week as we do our part to introduce you to the artists and designers from around the world who help bring some of our favorite beers and breweries to life. This week is no different. It is a great episode for many reasons. We do take a lot of pride in the fact when we say around the world that a project and idea that we had over three and a half years ago to learn and understand art and design and just, you know, find our niche in the beer industry has really evolved. And we can say proudly that we've interviewed artists and designers in over 13 countries. This week, we have Daryl Denecker of Beer Bibliotech, and it's just a great episode, I think, for, for many reasons. I think that Daryl's perspective on life, how he became a member or, you know, the, the founding of Beer Bibliotech, him and his friends, you know, coming together for the idea and, you know, as he says and, you know, calls it, uh, you know, a life list and... When you connect with somebody and you learn and you hear their story, you try to you know, take something away from it. And I think each week we get these guests and they're from different points in their career, walks of life, places around the world, and they tell their stories and they open up and they find this place in this comfort. And I think that's a, you know, a testament to what we're doing. But this episode I took a lot away from because I, it resonated a lot with me. Obviously, you know, as we're you know, in lockdown, and what's going on, you know, there's various forms of that or degrees or, you know, where you are and, you know, who you are and what you're doing. But it just the way he approaches life, his perspectives, you know, I think even just the way, you know, he speaks, it's very, you know, it, it just, it's, it, it draws you in. It's really comforting. And it's something that I think that, you know, I think will resonate with everybody here. You know, I think that instead of saying a bucket list, which is a way of saying of doing something you know, before you die, you know, you call it, you know, if we call it a, uh, you know, a life list, that means that you're, you're living and you're doing something while you're alive and you're, you know, you're appreciating life. And, and I think that's really important. I think now with what's going on and, you know, where we are and who we are, it's just, it's just important to appreciate things in, in the now because who knows what tomorrow is going to bring. And that's not to be morbid or sad or depressed. But life is, life is worth living, and I think that's great. And I think that, you know, our discussions about beer and how it brings together, and you'll hear Daryl say numerous times he wasn't into beer, he didn't like beer, it wasn't a thing for him. And I get that. You know, I think that there's some ways that beer has this arrogance and it's not really inclusive. And I think that it really takes people, you know, I would say like myself and like Daryl and like many others that I've met, who bridge that gap, who introduce in a, in a way that doesn't make you feel like somebody is thinks they're better or pretentious or, or doesn't take the time, you know, to listen. And I think we should all listen to each other. We should all take a moment. Uh, I've said it before, and I know that if you listen, which means the world to me, if, if, so, if you listen, you hear these stories, you say, oh, he's telling, you know, that story again. I'm sorry, but I'm, I thank you for that. Um, but if you listen to the first couple, you know, seasons or maybe in the first few episodes, I know that I was nervous. There was, there was these moments and somebody would say something, whether it was just, if they casually mentioned, you know, let's just, you know, arbitrarily say Philadelphia. I'd be like, oh, I'm from Philadelphia. Let me tell you about Philadelphia. 
and he's right in the middle of the story. And we all, you know, and so now I, you know, sit back, I listen. You'll see if, you know, if you looked at the, the audio wave, there's emptiness and it allows things to brew and allows people to think and not feel like they're on the hot seat. And, you know, there's, you know, usually five or 10 minutes before, you know, we, you know, kind of go on air that we, we talk and we, we, we connect. And, you know, that's more so that, that he or she, you know, feels like, okay, I'm in, I'm in a safe place. AJ's not trying to, you know, it's not an expose. I'm not trying to catch anybody off guard. I'm not trying to trick anybody, you know, and if we need to redo or do over or edit or remove, you know, uh, we, we do that. And that's, and that's okay. Like, I, I like that. You know, I think that's fun. I, I, I don't want somebody to say, oh man, that, that interview was, was stressful. And so this is a great episode. It's a great episode, which is an example of humanity of, you know, what this project is about, the power of beer and friendship and community and sharing experiences and using things like beer to bring us together. I know that there's been a lot of this virtually happening and I think it will continue to happen for, you know, you know, for some time. Um, and I will, you know, continue to, you know, play my part and, and do that. But I think that this episode will hopefully resonate with a lot of you. So Daryl Denecker, episode 158. You can follow along with Daryl's uh, personal Instagram, Daryl, you know, 74 on Instagram, Daryl.se. He's in Sweden. Again, we're international folks. And then Bibliotech, like the, um, you know, library word uh, in Spanish, I believe, Bibliotech, uh, Bibliotech.com uh, and Bibliotech on um, on uh, Instagram as well. So please sit back, relax, think of this episode as a, you know, a way to visualize, relax, and, and connect. And uh, we look forward to uh, hearing what you think about episode 158 is in the books. And let's get it started right here on the 16-ounce canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16-ounce canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Very excited to have those today, checking in from Gothenburg, Sweden, Mr. Daryl Denecker. He is one of the co-founders of Bibliotech, one of the rising kind of uh, well-known breweries in Sweden, which is becoming central... European kind of a beer hub, which is amazing, and uh, it's just really nice to connect. You know, we were introduced uh, by uh, Wayne Millard, who does uh, Beer Label Society, and so we want to thank Wayne for that. Been uh, been a big fan of his for a while, and also just really been a nice experience, Daryl, to to dive into your work and just even follow along with some of your you know adventures. Um, you know, you're a lover of nature and getting outside, you know, so you have a good work life balance and just uh thanks so much for for joining us today. Yeah. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh like I said, we were we were talking earlier, uh connecting with folks around the world is one of the the joys and the gifts that I take from this. So it's really just a nice opportunity to learn, you know, more about uh, you and you know the brewery that you helped found and uh, kind of see where we where we go. But it's folks, if you if you want to follow along, it's uh, really easy to do. Uh, uh, Bibliotech.com. So just think of Bibliotheca like a library, but it's kind of the, the beer library. So it's beer, blio b l i o t e k dot com. You can also follow along on Instagram at Bibliotech and see some of the, the the great stuff they're doing. Unique labels. I really love the 
you know, the, the vectored B logo, um, which is kind of center point on a lot of the, the labels, but it's done in such a really, uh, it's not aggressive and takes over, you know, or takes away from your, your art and your design. So I'm really, uh, I really, I think it's really cool. Cool. Thanks. So, so Daryl, you were telling me before that you were, you know, you're from South Africa now you're in Sweden, kind of, uh, you know, what's your, this is your, your, where I sit back and uh, I, I sit my coffee, but where you tell about yourself, but how did you kind of, uh, you know, what, where's your story? Where's your adventures? Did you always have a passion for, for design and, and creative? Is that part of kind of who you are? Yeah. So, so yeah, I've always been creative um, since I think six years old. I, I think I always knew I was going to be a graphic designer. Um, I've always been drawing, sitting down at tables, drawing, being creative. One of my favorite things was working with coins, just building castles out of coins. My dad's always had these boxes and boxes of coins. So I always was drawing um, art school, uh, studied art throughout school career, history of art. Um, and then I decided to go to college and I studied graphic design and the, it was a really tough course, I think, just because it's, they started taking away so many, so many students after every single year, you know, the first year you do everything and the second year there's nine of you and the last year there's six of you. So I've been very fortunate that I've made it through. Um, so yeah, always been creative and always knew I wanted to be involved with art. Wow. That's I guess when you that's that's intense just to think about the fact that every year was less and less people and so it's kind of and not only are you trying to find your passion that you have to make it through the kind of the the next level. Yeah, yeah. Graphic has been like it's always rules. You know, they like you can't do this, you can't do this. It's where the other subjects that we were studying was sculpture and you know, drawing and perceptual studies, and it's it's always very loose and. Where graphic design, you always got stuck with these rules. You know, you're in a box and you need to solve problems. Where my friends who went on to study just painting, they just loved the freedom and they could do whatever they want. And so a lot of them who wanted to do graphic design sort of hopped off because they were, nah, this is not for me. It's too bound by the rules. And I, I really like the problem solving. You know, just getting design and you're solving a problem. You know, so with, with our brewery, for instance, the, the naming is a problem. You know, I need a lot of space because some of our names are exceptionally long and some of them are very short. So, you know, it's always problem solving. Uh, I like that. I always like that kind of, okay, here it's reverse engineering. Okay, here's the challenge. You have to figure out how to get it done. It's uh, it's kind of like one of those uh, escape rooms. You have to kind of just kind of, okay, you got to get out and make it work. But I think that... Your designs, I really enjoy them because they they have that level of uh, of a style sheet and okay, you can kind of of a pattern of how you're using the the can and you know, the bottom tier of it. The ribbon is you know has the name and information, but then you get to kind of have a little more fun and freedom with the you know the the top you know two thirds of the can and you know use that to yeah. you know, tell a story and get creative, which is I think. It's uh, it gives cons- it gives uh, consistency, but there's still that level of unknown when the beer is released, what it's going to look like. Yeah, uh, that's the that, that, that's always been the tricky part, you know. Like when when we decided to start the brewery and get come up with a name, we knew we were going to brew new beers all the time. Um, and then I realized, well, I can't sit and decide where the stuff goes every single time I design because we we didn't go full time into the brewery. Everything was done at night. So if you've got your layout and your structure right, it's it, it just seemed much simpler than to to 
have a space for the name and then everywhere else you can carry on and go crazy yeah i think that uh so take us take us back how did you you know where where in your journey did you did you decide with your cohorts to to start a brewery i mean that's just kind of a a massive undertaking yeah, our, our, our brewery, our, one of the sentences we use in our brewery is um, we're four friends from different parts of the world who met up and started a brewery. So, you know, Adam, our, he's now our uh, head of operations. He's from Australia. And then Richard's our manager director, and he's from New Zealand. And then we've got uh, Anders, who's our Swedish guy in the brewery, but you know, it, I, I see him more Spanish. You know, he wants to go retire in Spain, so you know, I, I sometimes call him Andres. And um, so we four guys from different parts of the world that just sort of ended up in Gothenburg. And Adam and Richard was, they met each other in Edinburgh, Scotland, and then they moved to Sweden because their wives wanted to move back home. They together with Swedish wives, like I am, and they had a cafe. They just started a, a coffee shop and. Uh, I was just a, a regular there, and so was Anders, and we just sort of, the four of us just sort of sat drinking coffee, you know, just going to their coffee shop every day. So we became really good friends. And uh, Adam and Richard, so they were always trying to do new things, you know. So we all, all four of us are um, have our own companies, and we've always started companies, and we're, you know, it's what we do. And uh, so the two of them said, yeah, they want to start home brewing, and they asked me if I wanted to be part of it, and I was like, yeah, absolutely, I. I like being part of new things and, you know, I've got a life list and one of the things on my life list has been to start a company with my friends. And, uh, and that's what the brewery is for me. It's, it's, it's a big checkbox on my, on my life list that I've checked off. And uh, so they were starting to brew at home or, well, we rented a space in town um, and they started brewing and I just went along. But I honestly just didn't care for the beer you know i cared for the for the companionship and the and the doing it together with my friends and so i was just always running around trying to find bottles to clean and bottles to sterilize and bottles to fill and i always i've always taken part taken care of the other part of the brewery where they always cared for the beer um so and then anders when we started the brewery in 2012 anders was just always logistics and warehousing you know so the four of us just it fitted together perfectly. Um, it's not four brewers who wanted to brew beer. It was two guys who wanted to brew beer and two other guys who wanted to do everything else. Um, so it was perfect. It was actually a really good fit. Yeah. I mean, I love that story of the life list. For, and I I think it's a much better, uh, much more uh, beautiful way to say, it. you know, the common, you know, the, you hear the bucket list all the time, but I like the life list because it just seems like, you know, more fulfillment of, uh, of things and doing it, you know, while you're alive versus the idea of the trying to do it before you die, just kind of the more of a glass half full. So I'm going to start using that, Daryl, yeah. and I'm going to uh, I'll credit I'll credit you. But I, no, I think it's a beautiful story because that's really I think that's one of the things that I've learned from this project is you know the level you know doing things you know for for reasons that are you know kind of pure and you know the joy of that and it's the idea that you had this great connection with folks from around the world, which is amazing. So everyone traveled and went to, you know, you're from South Africa and then they met in Scotland and New Zealand and, and just to kind of come together to, to have this common, you know, just really the, the foundation is just trying to find a way to, to work together and just kind of share you know, to kind of bring that coffee shop, you know, experience of connecting together, you know, into a business. And so I just, uh, it's wonderful. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, the thing that I, I, I tend to say, and people sometimes take it the wrong way, is I really don't care for the beer. And it's not that I don't care for the beer, it's just that, that I don't need to. You know, I've got two guys who absolutely care for the product so that I do not have to. But in the same way, they don't care for the design because they know there's somebody taking care of it. That is their passion and their and their drive. So I think in that sense, it's uh, we've got complete trust in each other. That I, I think the first 200 beers, I've never asked them to brew anything that I want. You know, just because every single time there's something <laughs> coming out that I absolutely love in the design. And so I've lived a very happy life in the last yeah, <laughs> couple of years, just drinking beer that they come up with it's uh, been a fantastic journey yeah i do i mean when you you said that before i was like i i knew what you meant it was kind of like that's not really my area of focus is not the beer and i think you know you know too many folks getting involved with that or you know uh giving their opinions when they kind of know and then you open the door to then all the labels becoming you know three people working on it so i i think it's uh it's a great example of just kind of staying in your lane in a positive way and knowing what you're good at right so i think that's i mean i think yeah. it's great because i think that your designs are are really unique they're vibrant they're you know they all they they're different you know there's not a uniformity to them you know which is good you know you're, you're kind of pushing yeah. the envelopes with some of them are patterns you know some of them you know utilize you know characters and you know, stories and so i think that um how you tell how you tell that is 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 great i think it's really uh I don't know. I, I wish there was more stories like that. So I, I, uh, I applaud yeah. you. You, and, you, yeah. It's, it just makes me feel good. Like I think that there's, you yeah. know, it's a positive takeaway. Is you know, is that just yeah. you don't care about the beer? And that's that's a great way to put it, right? I think it's a perfect way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Because that's how I got into it. You know, so like I, I still use my, my my journey into beer because I, I I I still get called out for it now because I I love wine more than I love beer. I absolutely I love wine. But I love the fact that people today are sitting around a table drinking beer and enjoying it and talking about it, where before, you know, they were drinking beer and watching hockey or watching football. Um, so beer has moved into a space where it's worth talking about because it's a quality product. You know, there's mm -hmm. things happening. The whole beer world has just exploded. Um, so I really love the fact that it's, it's worth talking about. Um, so that's how I got into it. You know, I told Adam one day, I said to him, I, said, I, I don't like beer. And he said, well, maybe it's just because you don't understand it. And I was like, well, show me. Hmm. And he, he closed the cafe one day at six o'clock and he dimmed the lights because it was just the two of us in there. And he had four different beers that he took out from his collection to now teach me about beer. And the first one he took out was the, uh, what do you call it, the Liftmann's Cuvée Brut, that cherry mm -hmm. uh, bottle with a the, with the red wrapping around it. And and when he opened it, you know, he what he's trying to tell me is that I think beer is just, you know, a, a bitter lager, you know, a, a, a light beer. And when he poured this, it was in a champagne bottle and I was already confused. I was like, why is it in a champagne bottle? Yeah. And he goes, well, it's beer. <laughs> and what he was trying to do was just show me that I have a perception about beer that is not correct. You know, it's, it's still like that in the world. You know, a, a beer is light colored and it's bitter. And then he went, he took me through four different beers. You know, the, the Brewdog abstract number four was there. It was an imperial stout. Uh, the 14-year-old, a uh, 14th birthday edition of the double um, imperial uh, IPA from Stone. And there was another one from the Danish brewery called Amaya. 
And it was just such different beers and I was completely thrown about it. And that's when we started traveling to beer festivals and just my eyes just opened up to go, okay, I don't understand this. I need to learn more. Um, and like um, the weird thing now is what, what, what we call going 360. You know, you've, you've gone back to drinking those pale lagers because they're amazing. Now, you know, the craft breweries are doing amazing ones, but you appreciate everything. You know, I drink absolutely everything, but if I have to go back to something, I would drink a low ABV stout or a low ABV um, Pilsner, you know, an unfiltered Pilsner, something like that. But I do appreciate everything else. You know, it's been a seven or what now, 10 year journey of beer. Um, so it's been a really, really interesting time to just learn about all of the beers. Yeah, I think that to that example, I think that's a wonderful example. I could totally see that you know that large 750 milliliter bottle being opened and you looking at him like what is like yeah I, I mean i remember that early on when i started that there was you know you you drank you're in university you, know, you drank cheap shitty beer it was more about how many you know qu uh, quantity versus quality and then being turned on to yeah. new stuff and then currently when my friends or even family that say i don't really like beer i say okay well just tell me four or five different you know things that you like you know cocktails or coffee or what, what do you like and i'm not saying they're gonna be um uh instant convert but you find you find things that you know that that they can have a comparable palate or, or taste that they didn't really and they, they say i can't believe this is beer my you know my wife was yeah. was in not a beer person but now she really likes sours you know fruited sour beers and you know belgian sours and and, and some of the you know, different stouts, especially if they, you know, if they're, you know, utilize, uh, you know, coffee in the blend. So it's, it's really, it's really fun yeah. in that regards. If somebody's open to it, you can really, you can really turn them on, you know, to, to something yeah. interesting. Yeah, we got a lot of, uh, specifically, I'm not generalizing, but a lot of men in our, uh, in our brewery that says, uh, yeah, my wife doesn't like beer. You know, and just taking his wife aside and exactly what you said, you know, just getting a couple of questions in and then all of a sudden the husband leaves and go, oh, thank you very much. You know, like now my wife likes beer and I'm like, no, your wife doesn't like what you'd like. Yeah. She likes other beers. So don't don't generalize to go, my wife now drinks beer and you want to dump this double IPA on her. She doesn't like the bitterness, maybe she doesn't like this. You, so it's still a very, very broad. There's so much spectrum in there, you know. So it's um, everybody's still developing their palates. Yeah, yeah uh, I, th I think there's lots be, to learn still for yeah, us as well. Yeah, to be open because I think that what you learn is okay, this person's used to maybe uh, like a macro, you know, a macro brewery and they have the, you know, they're they maybe, maybe they like something like a Budweiser or even a Bud Light, you know, and you. When you explain to them that's a certain style of beer and you find a comparable, more fresh, locally made version and it's the same style so that they're used to, that's always, that's easy. Yeah. That's an easy kind of jump off point. But I, I agree. It's like, oh, yeah. she, she likes beer now. It's like, no, she yeah. just doesn't like what you like. And you've been, you know, yeah. you're not listening. It's, it's about listening, right? It's like being okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a larger solution. You know, it's more of a life lesson. Just listen and realize that. Yeah. You can be parallel and not have to, you know, coexist. Yeah. Um, so, like I said before, your 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 labels are, I mean, because you have hundreds of beers now. I mean, it's really, I think you're probably getting close. Yeah, I was going to say you're getting close to 300 if I if I did the math correctly. Yeah. So, yeah. as a designer, I mean, that's how how are you 
keeping them fresh, you know, exciting. I, I love the use you, in a lot of your work of the, of the white space, you know, which I think a lot of folks get, you know, uh, you know, it's intimidating the idea of not using every, you know, pixel to their, you know, to their advantage in the branding, but how are you creating them? Are you, you know, are, are you, are you, are you all digital? What's the, what's your process like there? So, so this is. Um, I was thinking about today. Like the interview coming up, and I, when I, when, when I was studying, and I was going to give away my age, but but when I was studying, we didn't have computers. We're the same. We have so lot, yeah, we're was, yo, you're a little older than me, but we're pretty close. Yeah, yeah I remember. The good yeah. Days. So, so we did. We had one computer in the studio that only the teacher was supposed to use. So everything that we did was done by hand. All the lettering, everything. If you had to do a poster, you had to do them by hand. So. I, one of my superpowers is being able to write upside down very fast because you were taught that, you know, it's like today, I don't think that you don't, it's not a skill that you need anymore, but, but that's something that they taught you because you needed to work around a, a table and there's more people than just you around working on one project, but it's all on paper. So just recently at the beginning of this year, I got an, an iPad pro and I've moved everything digitally just at the beginning of this year so before wow. well i would say digitally i was i was working in in illustrator before this year obviously in photoshop but like when i mean digital now is i'm not drawing offline and then scanning in anymore um so i don't i've put away my black pens and my books uh, that's all gone now so i've been doing a lot of tests on the ipad pro how big is a line? How thick is a line? How, when you zoom in, what does it do? Um, so all of that, trying to find the pencils and the pens that I used to work with and translating them to the iPad Pro so that it looks exactly the same. So the posters and the prints that I've been doing recently, I've it gets, it's very, very good. I just it's, look comparing it to working offline and scanning it in and then compared to just working 100% offline, uh, uh, digitally. It's um, so I'm very happy. It takes a lot. It's much faster, by far faster. Now, what was the what was the the pivot point? What was the decision process for you to to go, you know, full full digital? Time, times always in everything that I've always done. It's it, it's been time's been my my nemesis. It's just because my role at our brewery is marketing manager and I'm also export manager. So I do everything to do with the marketing, all the design and all the export. Um, and that that's basically it. So there's not a lot of time to just spend on a design. You know, it needs to go out very quickly. So now that I've got my, my iPad, I don't need to take anything into a, to a, scanning house or get it back and fix it this so the time that it's spent in fixing up scanning is gone so that's basically it plus the brewery bought me an ipad pro and i've always wanted one so <laughs> there you go fitted, fitted perfectly into the timeline there yeah absolutely now have you found that it allows you like to be creative outside of just uh, the, like your normal constraints of having all the papers and everything in a in a studio are you being able to kind of get as I said, like if you follow along with you, you're always, you know, you're out in nature a lot and enjoying life. Is is that is that been a a positive? Are you taking it with you when you travel, so you you don't, you're not as you have a little more freedom? Yeah, yeah, it, it 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 definitely gives me a lot of freedom because if you're if you're drawing um, on paper and you need to do an A two 
poster, you, 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 you need to carry with you an A2 poster or A2 paper at least so you can scan it. But now with the iPad, you know, it's, it's all the same size except you're zooming in and you're zooming out. So it's scalability is definitely helping, uh, helping me with that. So it's what I've, the thing that helped me is the testing that I've done before. You know, if I, I love a, a three millimeter black pen. That's my favorite medium to work in just sketching. I wanted it to translate on the iPad Pro because in iPad Pro, when you zoom in, how long is the line? How thick is the line? How? So I now have all of my uh, templates set up so that I can just open it up, draw it, put it on the design, and it's done. Um, so it's been it's been it's helped me a lot, just much faster. Um, so I'm very happy at the moment. Like I, I actually draw by far more than I used to in 2019. And we're not locked down, like I said to you. So it's not because it's we're locked down that I uh, am drawing more. It's just the the ease of using an iPad Pro is is uh, is uh, very very good. I mean, it actually came from a discussion with Erica from um, North Brewing um, that you've also had on the show before. And so that we did a collaboration, and then she was thinking about getting an iPad Pro, and then she got one, and she convinced me you need to get it. And I was like, ah, I love drawing still on paper, and she's like, yeah, that's that thing of the past you need to move forward now so it's a very very good influence i'm very happy yeah i mean if you if you go through your you know go through the the labels over time and and you're looking at you know all i mean there's over 200 folks again uh bibliotech on uh <clears throat> on instagram bibliotech.com you can you know follow along with, with daryl you know you go to daryl's website uh daryl with two r's dot se you can see a lot of labels. You can't, the beauty of that and just showing that how much you put into that transition, I couldn't find a point in time that I could say, because a couple of your photos show you drawing on the iPad, so I knew that you moved to that eventually. But I can't look at your timeline yeah. of, of images and say, oh, here we go. This this date or this period is now the full digital period, which is a really compliment to kind of the, the research and amount of time you put in to to make sure that transition was, you know, uh, smooth, for lack of a better. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. That's uh, that's the the thing that I'm trying to 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 get through to to the other guys in our brewery. I mean, a lot of the guys appreciate the design and appreciate you know the other part of the brewing. It's not just about beer, and uh, so it's very important for me because you know it's uh, for the designers in the in the world. It's it's their livelihood. You know, it's like they want it to be a good looking label, a good looking design. It's it's part of what sells the beer. So that's why I think I just spent more time than I should have, but um, it was very important for me to get it right. So thanks for that. That's a very good compliment. Uh, no, I you can't see the difference. Yeah, I, I think that's, and again, like, and your labels aren't just one style. You know, there's some are abstract. You use, you know, some are, are patterns or stories and, you know, and, uh, mm. you know, life experiences uh shared so i think that's even even better that you you have that versatility and it hasn't hasn't impacted that and we are back you're listening to episode 158 daryl denecker bibliotech sweden 16 ounce canvas, the art of craft beer. Remember, you can check us out online at 16ozcanvas.com. We do still have some of the Be a Good Human glasses left. Please, if you have a chance to, if you can't, 
Um, at the very least, uh, share, like, retweet, tell a friend. We've got about, I think, about, well, about 40 glasses left, so about 70, 75% of the way to our goal for our fundraiser. I want to thank everybody who's purchased. I think the majority of them are out in the wild, and I love seeing it. I love seeing the hashtag, Be a Good Human. It's something that we're really proud of. I think it's a great compliment to this episode. Um, you know, As we're recording tonight, we are drinking our beers out of our glass, and we just love looking at it. You know, We hope that if we sell out, then maybe we can do you know, a new variation, a new variant, a new color scheme, but don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Um, we did book a, a getaway, I guess, a relocation of quarantine to Maine uh, for August. So really excited about that to get up there. I don't know if we're going to see anybody or what we're going to do, but the goal is if we can sell everything out by that time, we'll be able to hand deliver the checks, you know, to the locations with our badass masks on and just kind of uh, do it upright. But again, you're listening to the 16 Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast, episode 158. Another great episode as part of an international series featuring the one and only Mr. Daryl Denecker. Um, I do want to say, sorry, my friend, uh, I did see that you uh, are in a cast. You're a uh, little banged up there. Uh, wood chopping adventures. You tore a ligament, so we hope for a quick and speedy recovery. I want to say that uh, since you were asking, Daryl, I think that you look super sexy with that, you know, red, pinkish uh, cast you have there. So hope a speedy recovery and uh, doing, you know, doing logistics is way it usually goes it's probably your your drawing hand so I, I do apologize there and hope you uh hope you feel better soon but it's a great episode i really enjoy the stories i really enjoy you know the, the messaging and just the perspective on life uh, i really uh was drawn to it i want to thank uh you know wayne over at uh, the beer label society for the recommendation uh, those are really the the joys of this uh obviously connecting with people but recommendations and you know meeting new people and you know artists recommending other artists is just a, a beautiful and, and powerful thing. So again, my name is AJ. 16ozcanvas.com is the website. So you just put an at sign AJ at 16ozcanvas.com. Uh, I feel like we're making headway as a project because we're definitely getting a lot of uh, spam uh, emails, which makes me feel like we're on some spidered website or just people you know using our forms and submitting you know, garbage so that's a it's a sign that you've uh, you're growing you've made it so uh, we appreciate everybody we appreciate you uh being here with us and uh use that hashtag 16oz canvas it is taking on a life of its own there's so many incredible artists and designers around the world you know using it and sharing and just really uh really blessed and, and humbled and appreciative of you know all that we're we're doing and I say this with uh, the most genuine uh, vibes and you know, good feelings. We're, we're doing it together. And that's and really can't ask for anything more. So I think we should just get back into it. We should really you know, enjoy this episode. Again, uh, it's, uh, it's a good perspective on life. Um, Daryl is just, uh, he, he's an enjoyer of life. I love how the, the four of them came together. You know, each has their own role. Each has their own important uh, tasks and you know, brings it to life. And I just think that we're really, uh, really excited. This is a sleeper episode. You know, it's a, a, a brewery that we did not have as much, uh, you know, information of. Uh, we've never had a, a beer bibliotech beer. We know that will change in the future. We know that at some point in the future we'll end up in Sweden. And uh, you know, when this is all over, I, I hope that everyone, you know, through this and just through, you know, looking through, you know, a glass half full, just has a new appreciation, you know, for life and. 
doesn't have any of those I wish I did these moments anymore you know I think that you just got to go for it I can't promise you that you know your life will be you know 100% success rate but you know you'll definitely uh, be in a better place for the the bumps and scrapes and bruises and, and missteps you take and I think that's really just one of our key I guess mantras or takeaways or you know life list uh, themes it's just to you know take some chances some experiences you know go for it uh, wake up every day and just be you know happy and appreciate you know that you're that you're alive and we you know we appreciate you so here it is part two down with the necker 16 ounce canvas art of craft beer episode 158 be a good human Given your role in the in the brewery, how, how do you decide the the design? You know, are you part of the naming of the beer? You know, what's the what's the behind the scenes process like for that? Yeah, so so our brewery, Adam, uh, is mostly the one that would come up with a reference for a name or a starting point. Um, and then it goes through one or two other people like my, myself and then Richard. It'll be, it'll be the three of us. You know, our, our other staff can also come up with names. But sometimes we, we have a joke um, that needs a beer. Um, and sometimes we have ingredients that we've got and we need a name or a, sometimes we've uh, just got a recipe that needs everything. So there's a couple of different starting points for it. Um, so it all depends on on what's happening in the brewery at the moment, um, specifically with collaborations. You know, some of the collaborations that uh, come up, um, the names are definitely uh, easy to come up with. The last one we've done now with North Brewing Company from the U- from um, Leeds. Mm-hmm. I mean, they we we sort of meet up with them all over the world, just randomly at festivals and things. And so coming up with a name, saying "fancy meeting you here," was an easy name to come up with. You know, so it's. Um, then we just brew the recipe. It doesn't matter what the recipe is because it has nothing to do with the name. But um, when we installed our canning line, there were two guys from Wild Goose that arrived and they told us a joke um, at the table. And we were like, okay, that's definitely got to be a beer. And the joke was, uh, what's better than uh, roses on your piano? <laughs> and the answer is tul- tulips on your organ. So... Some of our, some of our beers, and then we did a fruit, a fruit uh, Berliner Weisse, you know, with with flowers and all this kind of flower theme with it. So, and it all depends on on, on where the starting point is. But we're not, I, I wouldn't say we're scared to try things, and um, so it's it's really easy sometimes. Yeah. Now you mentioned collaborations. I was going to ask about that. How do you uh, work? With the different breweries, or is there a different type of design style that you try to use when you're doing collaborations? Is there any? Do you collaborate with their their artists at all? Do you, is there anything you're trying to bring together in those designs? Yeah, it's uh, the, the our labels for collaborations are basically anything goes above the white space. So most of our collaborations is there's there's no limits. We could do anything that we want up there and most of the time i would say 90 percent of the time when we get hold of their designers or when they get hold of me we we collaborate together where it often happens where i send to their designer an inspiration for the label and they would translate it into their style um, so the collaboration there's always collaborations with the labels as well um, or if on my side i would do a part of the design and they would send me a part and we would 
put it up and create it together. But, you know, it um, depends on where the beer is being brewed, but we always try and collaborate with the designers as well, always. Which I think is very unique. And, I mean, it's really even unique that there's a part of, the, of your website that's, you know, focused on collaborations. And I think that, I guess, in a way, the, the, the coming together of the four founders is one kind of collaboration on life, right? You all found that you wanted to do yeah. something together and you found a way to to make it work and everybody, you know, be able to have their area of strength and focus to, to make it a success. Yeah. Yeah, that's always been a part of our business uh, model. You know, it's it's when a friend vouches for you, then it's you. It's easy to get into a market. So when we go to festivals and we meet other breweries and they introduce us to their distributors because they say these guys are fantastic, if they're funny, they make good beer. You need to start working with them. You know, that's helped us in our export markets. You know, we we, we export to more than twenty countries, and it's just because we've had friends that vouch for us that says, you know trust these guys they really know what they're doing so it's easy that way but collaborations is the way to get forward with that you know it's been we've done a lot of collaborations with everybody and we always try and do the the collaborations there and then the collaboration back home or you know start at home and then go there so we do two at least Mm -hmm. um for each uh, brewery so can we get bibliotech in the in the states uh no Okay. It's um, <laughs> it's it's just because I told you, you and I spoke about it earlier as well. It's 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 just the states is a couple of different countries. Feels like a couple of different <laughs> yeah, countries 50, together. Yeah, fifty fifty little countries. Um, yeah. yeah. So so we've not focused on it yet, um, and we're just waiting to. We've got a couple of collaborations that we're thinking about and going to be doing, and. Um, so the one of them is, is we're planning with Finback, um, oh, yeah. and then the other one is with, with Three Weavers. I mean, they both breweries have been across to our uh, brewery to brew with us uh, recently in the last year. So it's all fresh in the heads to actually move across. You know, if it wasn't for this virus, we would have been across already. But hey, we'll have to put that on hold. So yeah. the U.S. is on the list, but yeah, all right, we haven't been able to put it through yet. No, one of my favorite labels is why I was uh, asking is, is the, they're playing our song and it just kind of has the, you know, the fluidity of the, of music and, you know, the, the different uh, kind of uh, examples of like, a, of a, to me, it seems like a music wave and, you know, sound. And so it's, uh, and I was like, oh, then that's Finback who's in, who's in New York. So I kind of was like, oh, I need to get me some of that. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, obviously just because they, the, the, the whale back, um, mm-hmm. it's also got that sort of coming out of the water into the water. And, and then the background is the, our usual uh, diamond pattern that you can, um, that you can, that you, that we use for our, our core beers. But the one thing that a lot of people miss on that beer is, uh, the joke of the beer is actually that there's two people robbing a bank. You know, the, the one guy hears the police sirens and he turns to his friend and he says to him, Hey, they're playing our song. Um, so that's where the, where the story comes from, but this, the, the, the Spotify code that's on that can, if you scan it, you can actually listen to the, to the playlist and you can add your songs to the playlist. So, oh, there we go. That's what I thought. I was going to try that later. I was, I wasn't sure. I was like, that looks like a Spotify code. I was like, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love, I love the interactive, so uh, yeah, interactiveness. Yeah. We, yeah. <clears throat> we, we're, we have a a running playlist that we take and we'll get your feedback in a little bit, but the artists share the music they listen to 
And so we kind of, yeah. uh, we've, you know, I think we're up to about season 12 or 13's worth of music, but it's, you know, hundreds of songs that, you know, the different artists say they listen to when they're creating. And so, we're, you know, it's on Spotify, but we say it's, you know, the 16-ounce canvas radio. And so that's that was kind of, uh, oh, sure. that's fun because it definitely, the yeah. uh, the algorithm is completely thrown off. I have no idea what they think I, I am or what I listen to now. <laughs> Yeah, from, from from putting music in for the kids to listening to all this stuff from all over, it's been uh, it's fun. Yeah, if you've got a mixed account, then uh, your playlist definitely comes out with some very very different music sometimes. Specifically, <laughs> yeah. you've got kids. So. Yeah, that's what uh, we we have with uh, the devices. We you know they originally they were logged in with our YouTube account, and so when I would like log in and look at stuff, all the recommended videos and stories were these i was i was, I, and I didn't really put it together right away and i was like what is going on yeah. did i click yeah. something yeah i was getting oh, it's yeah. never a dull moment a friend of mine's got a, a his screensaver set up uh to just do his itunes way back his itunes um albums but he's also got some friend some some albums in there for his children so his screensaver just sometimes has the weirdest pictures up coming up from from this <laughs> just like at work it's just not uh people always asking what the hell is going on yeah i think it's kind of like a it's like a secret code i think with parents it's like oh his kids have access to his his uh his, yeah. his files you kind of just know like i've been there man i got you so, so given you know, given that you're the volume of beer you're putting out and unique beers all the time, how much time? I mean, how much time do you have between, you know, for the ideation and for making of the of the label from when it needs to kind of get printed? Um, like I said to you before, the the the, the trick in my life has always been to balance my my time and i've been i've only been full-time employed now at the brewery uh for the last two years um before then i was i i work as a consultant i've, I've always worked as a consultant for, for for bigger companies and solving their problems and then the brewery working with that at night um i sort of started two days a week uh for two years and then moving full-time into the brewery so i've always tried to set things up so that it's easy to do um all of our pack shots are done i do them in 3d so it takes me 15 minutes to get a pack shot for any of my beers as long as as soon as that label's done i can get a pack shot out in in any color in anything um so it's always been about time so we can get i can get a label out in an afternoon and if i really beg our label guy to push this for me it could get i've done it before in under five days so it's yeah he's that, that that's why we're not moving away from that label company you know it's like they've just bent over backwards for us and so it's been really really good it's not ideal but we we, we can get it like that and and the thing that the, the the difference here i think with 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 sweden is i don't have to send any of my names off to anybody uh. or my labels off to anybody to approve that makes sense. And all of the labels are printed digitally. So nobody says yes or no. However, I mean, you've interviewed Swedish people on your show. So we have the Swedish monopoly here, which is state owned. And so we basically have one bottle shop in Sweden. They have 400 shops, but with one bottle shop. So you've got one customer and we do sometimes have to submit our, our labels to them and they 
don't always like sexual connotations. They don't like people connotations. They don't like religious connotations. You can't show a, a, a vehicle on a can because people aren't allowed to drive while they're drinking. Um, so uh, there's a couple of stuff with, when, with the beers that we release there that needs to get approved. Otherwise, uh, they don't um, they don't like them. Yeah. Now, from a, you said you handle the exporting. Is that is how does that work? Um, I, I don't know much about that side of the business, but are the different countries will they say okay, we can't? Like, do you have to change anything when you export? Or so, some beers they won't take because of the name or the design. No. We've never had a we've never had a single hassle with any country on any of our names on any of our labels at all, and now we're talking from Russia to Finland to New Zealand to Australia to Hong Kong. Um, no one's had a hassle at all with any naming or any label design. The only thing that changes is the legal information. So every single time we ship to a new country, like when we started shipping to New Zealand, we had to add the, um, what do you call it, the recommended standard drinks um, logo on there. And they've got a specific one which they use in New Zealand and in Australia. And then the importer's address has to be on. So, you know, we've now got five languages on the label. Um, and every single time we go to a new country, they just might have an update for legal information, which we change. And then... There we go. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's really interesting. It's, um, well, I hope, yeah, I hope at least we'll, we'll make sure when, when you collaborate with with Finback, we get that collaboration because I, I really enjoy, I really enjoy the labels and I mean, my my hope is always that the beer tastes as good as it looks. So you you set a pretty high, pretty high high bar there, Daryl. But uh, it's kind of funny you said yeah. earlier, like ah, I don't care about the beer. I like beer. I'm a beer guy, but. When I, you know, I try, uh, we try to, once we interview folks, then we try to hunt down the beer and, and get some and celebrate the artist that way. So we don't do it the other way because we've had experiences where the beer does not taste as good uh, as it looks. Yeah. And we don't want that to, oh, yeah. that's not, I mean, that's not, like you, you've clearly, you know, mentioned that's not your uh, your area of focus or expertise. And so um, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, I just think, I, like I said, the versatility of the labels, I think is, is really unique. Um, and just looking at the, you know, I, I've been scrolling for, for weeks now and just kind of diving in. And um, I, that's what I really like. It just kind of, you know, they, the idea brings this creative, creative process to life and your, you know, the freedom, yeah. the freedom you have is, is wonderful. There's a difference between owning the company and being as a designer. Whereas the other way around, you know, I work with, uh, um, I had a, meeting for the first time meeting up with Neil who's the designer for Stiegbad it's one other brewery in Gothenburg which uh, you should definitely get on your show he's fantastic but he paints offline and they they scan everything but he's just a designer that's employed by the brewery so you know they have an idea and they brief them and then they pay them and you know this it's we've never priced design in our brewery because it I'm one of the owners it's just sort of it's just one of the things that i do mm -hmm. but the freedom to do whatever i want is fantastic you know that freedom i can understand that some of the designs that i've spoken to they go they just i can't do what i want um so i'm very happy it's you know it's a, it's been a dream for me to be able to have a company f with my friends one 
and then two, being able to build up this portfolio of work that is my, I, I would say it's my life's work. You know, it's just, I, I still want to do my my um, art exhibition where I just have all my work up. It's just the time to get them done is is, is problematic, but it's been really, really, really good um, having the opportunity in life to do what you want. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's a, it's a, the level of trust everyone's focused on their area of expertise and i think that yeah i think mm. the the beauty of them is if you took like you're saying about the mean art if you if you took all the 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 branding or beer titles away the designs on their own they have they, they stand alone as as unique pieces sans anything having to do with beer and i think that's why they resonate with people and myself is because you're just putting these create you know creations and these designs and pieces of art on a beer label and that's part of the the brand and so they they would stand on their own yeah. and we've done we've done a few uh art shows you know the art of craft beer uh events you know we rented, yeah. out, we rented out an art gallery here in connecticut uh you know we've done it in a warehouse one of the unfortunate outcomes of you know of the the lockdown and the virus is that we had an event scheduled for philadelphia but i mean yeah, if, if we can do an event together in, in Sweden, I would my arm would be twisted to come to come visit. But I think I think that just that's a great way that your art, you know, your work should be displayed. You know, sands the can. Yeah. You know, I mean, just have the beers be there for people to to drink while they enjoy your your work. Yeah, uh, it's it's a, it, that's going to be a dream. I I've got this vision of you know all the all the cans just hanging from a roof where people sort of walk through it, but it's just this can sort of eye height, um, eye level, and just people just appreciating the can hanging there. You know, just it's on the yeah, add it to the, the add it to the life list, right? Yeah, exactly. Add it to the life list. Yeah. So, yeah. Now I've had a photo ph photography exhibition, but not a not an art exhibition. Well, the other thing. Well. Learning your story and your journey, and kind of uh, you know where where things are, I, I'm I'm pretty confident that'll that'll happen at some point. So I think that uh, uh, you just make things happen. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, it's, that's the the joy of it. Now, yeah. Before you said that you you know you weren't a beer person, you've been uh, introduced and kind of you know you you enjoy beer more than you do now. Is there is there types of beer or some of your own uh, beers that you like, like style wise? If I have to, it, it, at the moment, I lose my mind when I go into our brewery and I can just tap from the tank our unfiltered Pilsner, you know, just because of the freshness and because it's, it, I just think it's fantastic. But my love for beer is when I can drink a really old beer, like something that you can't, you know, the brewery might have closed down or it's just a beer that you found in a cupboard somewhere and, you know, that's still held up pretty good. You know, I had a 10-year-old um, Limfred's Porter from Denmark uh, the, the other day. So it's five years on the bottle and it's five years past expiry date. And that was just fantastic. You know, 8% Porter that's 10 years old. So, you know, we've, we went on a trip to Antwerp once and um, it's still one of my best nights beer drinking. And we went to a, to, a, to, to a pub called The Culminator. And the guy and his wife who owns this place, they've got a, they, their menu is 34 pages back and front of just old beers. You know, so if you want to buy a Chimay Blue, you have to buy three of them. And there's 10 years difference between them. 
know, he's got Chimay Blue back to 1982 in his cellar. So it's just, it's mind-boggling stuff, you know. So, and I bought a uh, golden bond from Liefmans that was brewed in 1974. So we just met these three Americans and one guy from Antwerp. And then we were three guys just sitting around this table drinking beer from, we each found one from our birth year. And we just shared these uh, seven beers around the table. And it was absolutely fantastic drinking these old beers. I mean, the the, the uh, leaf months that I had was 38 years old. So that is when, when I lose my mind because, you know, coming from wine, you know, mm-hmm. I appreciate something that's held up well. Somebody looked after it. And and um, so that's when, when, when I really, really enjoy beer, when there's just old beers and there's a story behind them. And it's and I think that's still a trend that's coming. You know, the, 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 the trends where we are now in Sweden is still IPAs. You know, just a hazy IPA is sort of at the end. Now people are going back to West Coast IPAs. But aged beer is not something that you hear people talking about yet. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So that's I, when I, what I like. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that the, uh, I mean, we still, because we're in New England, so like the New England IPA, I mean, it's just kind of like it's everywhere here because I'm in New England. But um, I think the the focus or more of the appreciation for the the loggers and the pilsners has been uh, it's been a nice kind of uh, boost because you know we've got yeah. some great ones here that we've been really lucky. And there's a, a brewery here in Connecticut, Fox Farm, and they just do you know they had a you know Kolsch recently, a Hell's Lager. Uh, their pilsner was just just amazing and. I think it goes yeah. back to what we were saying earlier of just kind of uh, turning on people's heads what they think a style of beer is. And it's just, it's so refreshing, especially when it gets warmer, just to be able to you know enjoy that. And But the one thing that resonates with me in your stories is is how I see beer a lot is really beer to me is to bring people together. And that's one of the harder parts of the recent months is the idea of the, mm-hmm. the shared experience of, you know, opening something that, you know, I say I have a cellar, Daryl, but it's basically just the corner of my basement, which I, you know, <laughs> I put beers on a on a on a metal rack, um, and I've been lucky to to get some over, you know, recently in, in Belgium. But to me, it's more someone comes over and maybe I haven't seen them in a while, or you know, there's just a, a life moment to celebrate, and that's more of just like the catalyst, not the focal point of of the evening. It just helps to to sit around and beer. Now you have more beers that you can just sip and enjoy together and so the visual of you and just again all these folks from around the world which seems to be a common theme for you just getting together and you know having a shared experience is really uh it really resonates with me a lot that's kind of my why i love beer yeah yeah and we did i mean that that's one of the tricks that we did, did in south africa you know most of the houses are, are, are really cold um just because there's no indoor heating so you know, everybody would have. Most of my friends in South Africa would have 100 to 200 bottles of wine just and at home because you know the wines are too expensive, and you know you buy, you go to the wine farm, you buy two bottles. It was really good. You go back and you buy two more, and you put three of them away in a in a, in your cellar, and you sort of forget about them. So when friends come over, my friends would also always bring a bottle of wine that they think I would absolutely love, but I would we wouldn't drink it. You know that goes into the cellar. But I would take something from my cellar that I really think they would like, and then we drink that that day. 
But, you know, in two, three to ten years, when they come back one day to your house, you know, you sort of take that bottle that they brought out again and then you share it. But now it's ten years older. So, you know, it's it's thinking about just not always fresh beer. You know, there's, there's, there's other beers as well. And I think there's a lot of um, beers that are going to – that people are buying now that's just going to age really well. Um but um, like you said, just get your cellar ready. It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been yeah. good. It definitely with being uh, stuck at home, I've, I've gone a little, little diving into there. But it's been fun to see how different beers age. And, you know, if you have more, more than one, just it's, then it makes it even more, you know, more exciting uh, uh, yeah. to, to see how they, how they go or to, yeah. to have a couple different years of the same thing and even do that, which was always fun, having people over and trying, you know, this – Beer, you know this version from 2012 versus you know 14 or 15 and seeing how it goes it's just i don't know it's fun i think that there's uh i think it's the the demographic or the audience i think is expanded and it's has a it's not as um there's a level of like snobbery which i think was for a period of time that you made it made it intimidating for people and so i think i, I think yeah. there's been a lot more folks that realize that just being a good you know good person not being intimidated is kind of like an you can, almost like a, a beer ambassador in a way and you know you make it a more approachable whenever we have people over even if they don't like beer it's like okay i'll you know tiny little tasters and say hey try this you might like this and then they go oh, what is this and yeah and I got, that's happened so many times i get a text a couple of weeks later like hey that was a beer we had right what was that or where can i get that or you know what what was the story with that and you say oh yeah mm. and it's it's that's like one of the joys yeah, well, that's why it's, every beer should have a story with it. You know, it's like if it, the design part of it, the naming part of it, uh, just something where, where it's, we we export a lot of beers to the UK, and you know, I, I love going there just because the the, the English language is uh, you know just one thing. But you know, our distributor there, they they always have people to come to them and say there's they've got a relationship with a specific beer because of a reason. They really enjoy the name. Uh, we've got a beer called Whoopass, you know, mm. just because you can open a can of Whoopass, yeah, and. It just that beer sells so well in the UK because people have this relationship with don't let me open this can of whoop but I'll give it to you. So so <laughs> having this relationship with with beers because of not just the beer, you know, just the name or the design is um, also important. I think. I I completely agree. And you know, we uh, yeah, last year we got to take the family over to London and had you know, it was just wonderful to to go to the bottle shops and just try all these new beers that we've you know never had before and. Again, the, the the joy of the experience. You know, I, every every place we had a meal or food that had a cask, you know, would, would get that would be the first beer. You know, every with every meal, and it was just it was just a I don't know, it was a full experience of of the of our yeah. of our adventure that I, I cherish. Um, so, yeah. so your story. You know, you're an entrepreneur. You're a strategist. You you know, you're a consultant for different businesses. You know, and now you're working in, in the beer space. Do you have any advice for for maybe somebody? Who's in a you know thinking about getting started or just kind of uh, you know who who has that passion for art and design like you do, you know it's uh, it's obviously not an easy journey. But you know, do you have any I guess career consulting advice for for somebody maybe getting started earlier in their career? Um, yeah, actually we've got a lot of uh, internship programs here in Sweden, so we we get a lot of uh, uh, people at our brewery just they want to learn, they want to just get into it um i think that the thing that i learned in the beer industry with the design is 
design by committee doesn't work at all. I think a lot of designers would 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 agree. And whenever I've presented design to our ownership group or when we redo the brand or anything, I take each person by themselves because each person has a different opinion. But, you know, as soon as you sit in a meeting and you're presenting to all of them at the same time, you're going to lose. You know, it's just because one person's misunderstanding becomes another person's um, way of getting into the conversation and you're, you're going to be fighting an uphill battle. And I've, I've always just taken every single person by themselves and said, this is the thinking behind it. And then this is what I'm trying to do. And I just found it easier to sell design that way around than presenting it to a couple of people all at once. Um, and then I think what the, the second thing that I've learned is you, you mentioned it earlier. It's like, I, I love white space. I absolutely just love the fact that people, you know, just a tiny word in a big piece of white paper where people have to walk up to the white paper to go read a word. It it works. But I always say like a lot of designers who get to design their first can, beer can, they lose their minds and they just design the entire can full of color and forget how the can is going to look like on the shelf. They forget that it's going to compete against other cans and in a fridge, a white can stands out from every other can. But nobody dares just making a white can. So um, that would be my two pieces of advice, I think, um, Yeah. for designers coming. I I think that, I mean, I look at the things I've learned, and I'm always trying to, to learn and look at things differently. But my enjoyment of white space, I think, is one of the, the things I just I'm just enthralled by, that you have all this to work with and... You're just, okay, this is it. And it's like, what about the rest of it? Aren't you going to fill it? No. You know, it's just, let mm-hmm. it sit there. It like, almost floats. It, it, I mean, to your point, it, it pops, especially, you know, given the, you know, some of the color choices. It makes it even more vibrant. Um, it's not, it doesn't get washed out by the other, you know, parts. And so I, I think it's, it's, yeah, I can see what, it, you have to have the confidence to do it. But when it's done right, it, it, it is a, a very powerful choice. Yeah. No, it's because uh, it's, it's. I mean, you get so many fridges today, and and you can when you walk up to the fridge, there's just some breweries whose designs just stand out, and other breweries who just disappear into the crowd. Um, and that's the one thing which I've always tried to do. There's just our white cans. As soon as you've got other cans above it or below it, we've got a white line above our design and a white line below the design, and it'll always separate from the other cans. Um, so looking at your designs in context is very important. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorites is, uh, Sophie DeVere who does, uh, labels for, for whiplash and she, you know, not only her collage style, yeah. but she just does the, the white space is just great. I think it really accents it a lot. Yeah. I've been very fortunate. We did, we've done what, four collaborations now with whiplash. They're really good friends in our brewery oh, wow. and I've been very lucky to be able, I've been very lucky to be able to work with her. I mean, I mean the, just her offline skills and then just putting them together and scanning them and exactly that white space, it just pops. Yeah. Appreciate her design styles. The offline. Yeah. She's someone who you, the, she's not going to convert to the, the iPad Pro anytime soon. I think that would be. Yeah. That's going to take a while, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's fun. It's just, uh, yeah. And she's uh, recommended some some good music we've kept in touch. And so it's uh, it's wonderful. So 
Uh, that leads me yeah. to my, my, my next question. Um, I, I get two. Let's go with, let's go with this one first. Um, now that you've gone full digital or just organizing things, do you have a certain way you name your files? Like how do you keep everything organized, um, you know, on your, you know, with your at digital works? It's a weird question. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm, I, I'm very structured with folders and where I put stuff, you know, if somebody sends me a file, I'll put it into a folder in the work we're working with called received, you know, so, so everybody can always go in and find everything. But um, all of my designs are just at the end, I would, if I do a design, it would be called, you know, artwork, everything goes into the artwork folder. And that's where I just work, everything just goes into that folder. And then if I do a test, I would just label it, label one, and then label two, label three. So um, because I'm the only one working with it, uh, that's easy for me to, to, to do. But because we send our labels out for printing and proofing, um, I have the dates on all of them so that I know which company, uh, because we've got to send all of our cans to a state-owned company for approval for, for, for recycling. And um, so I want to know that the file they got is dated the same file as I've got in my system. I know that, you know, we, we've got, there can't be any mistakes. But um, it's basically just a digit at the end and then the date in the beginning. No no more complicated than that. Yeah. Well, and the beauty of it is it works. And the fact using folders, we've had a few previous guests say that they just, they, they, me asking that then made them realize that they have they have no organization at all and they've sent us uh screen caps of their of their desktop and it's uh it's been amazing to, see, to think how they can even work <laughs> oh, no. how they can even work like that uh, i'll i think i have one i can send you it's uh, mind-boggling yeah no it's it's, it's i've got a i've got a folder called scrap and anything i save in that folder i can delete i i, I will never uh, use it again. It is literally for just that moment so that I don't even go into that folder to see if there's anything that I need. I can just, I literally just click on the folder and delete everything. Um, so that's one thing, but, um, but everything is just structured in folders. Easy, you know, beer name, uh, all of our beers has a number. So it always starts with the number first and then the beer name. Um, and then it just goes into the folder to go artwork, label, design, so every folder has a um, file in. And this is a rule that I've got at the brewery. It's just you don't create a, a folder structure without files in. When you create the file, you create the folder. Because there's so many folders then that people click on that's got nothing in. Because that's you sort of create the structure before you actually do the work. So I like to do it the other way around. You know, If you've created the barcode, you create a folder called barcode and you put the barcode in there. Um, so that uh, there's no unnecessary clicking. See, there's a system. See, I knew, I knew you had a good system. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so our, our last question, which is one of my favorites, uh, is do you, when you're creating, uh, kind of paint the scene, do you have, do you listen to music and, or do you have more ambiance and, or, and specifically what are you kind of listening to? You know, what kind of music is, is on Daryl's playlist? I, I, I'm not a person that um, have that follow musicians like um, that's more Adam at the brewery and Richard I would I would say like Adam has really good music taste and I get some music from him but it 
I'm not a person that would follow a band and then see what the music uh, they've listened to and listen go back into their albums. I like when I go into a hotel, for instance, and there's a song playing that I really like, I would Shazam the song and then put it in my playlist for that year. So that when I hear that song again, I have a memory that triggers when I hear that song. So all of my playlists, all of my songs has a specific memory attached to it. So I, there could be musicians that I've never heard of, songs that I've never heard of, but I like the song while I listened to it where I was. So I've got my Spotify playlists all the way back to 2010, and they were all created like that. So if I listen to those playlists, I can tell you which song I listened to when I was breaking up with somebody or when we made up with somebody or somebody died or I was happy because I got a salary or every single song has got a memory trigger to it. You know, yeah, this is the song we listened to when we were in the car the day when we did something. Yeah, so, so I just like memories and then connecting songs to it. So my playlist that actually Spotify then generates for me is, in my view, fantastic because it's, 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 it's all based on music that I like. Because now it's already 20, 10 years of music that I just, I like the song and it's got a memory with it. So I'm that kind of music guy. So I am not that I need to listen to a specific band or a specific style of music. The one thing which I do like when I come home is playing indie piano. That's possibly the only playlist that I would say that I really enjoy. It's just piano music of people having fun. And it's good ambiance music that I work to because nobody's singing mm -hmm. to distract me. And it's just background music that's got a little bit of a beat and there's a little bit of, you know, it sounds happy. You know, you don't want to, I don't do really great design work when it's sad music, you know. It's no. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But it, it's weird going back to the music, you know. I sat here one day with my, with my fiancé and I played her this, this, this songs that I, when I was thinking about asking her to go out with me. You know, and like, and then she remembered the songs because she heard me playing them. And like, there were tears in our eyes because, you know, the memories of those times were good times. You know, so it's, it, it, music is, I think it's very powerful when you can, when you can connect it to a, a memory. I, I completely agree. I mean, I always, and it sounds hokey, but like, it's like the soundtrack of your life and you just kind of have these moments, right? You know, there's this song and I don't even, yeah, there's a, we went, my wife and I were at a, we had a date and we we're having Indian food and we we're at this Indian street food restaurant and it was, it was just wonderful. And then the song came on and I just like, I, it just took over. And so I Shazam it. When I put it back on to your point, I immediately just think of, oh, this great, wonderful evening. You know, we were just kind of out of the house and just the two of us and we were trying in a place we'd never been before. And we just had this, you know, from there, it was just, you know, it was just a great night altogether. And so sometimes mm -hmm. I, I actively am aware of that. And other times I'll hear a song somewhere else and, and it'll kind of like, wow, okay. I, this takes me back to university or high school or what is being home. And so, yeah, I, you said it much better than I did, but uh, I definitely, uh, I definitely agree. Yeah, I think it's wonderful. Yeah. Nice. 
Well, Daryl, I want to thank you for being a part of this project, uh, your story, and really just kind of your, you know, your work. It, it just, uh, I, I hope that we get to meet together. You know, I hope that part of your world travels and experiences that, you know, we get to connect because I just, uh, your perspective and, you know, the way you look at life really resonates with me. And I think we have a lot in common. And I just, uh, I wish you and the, the Bibliotech family the, the best. And if there's anything we can do, you know, even when you, come over here to work with Finback at some point, you know, please let me know. And, uh, you know, I'll take the train into to the city and we'll, we'll connect. But, uh, I'm just, uh, it, it really resonated with me. And I think it was really a uh, perfect timing. Thanks a lot. It was really, really nice to uh, have a chat to you and, uh, thanks for getting me on the show. Yeah. And, and let uh, me I'll know. definitely, get, I'll, I'll definitely bring some cans, uh, along of uh, specifically the Finback beer to see if I can, get some in the post but um, yeah um, yeah thanks for having me it's um, really good yeah i think it's just nice uh to to take a little break from you know what's going on and uh, to, to get perspective and look back at your life and just kind of see the journey and all the great things you're doing and you know now you know, you have all the playlists to go with it and um yeah i just want to uh yeah thank you and uh, hopefully we can uh, connect in, in 3d in the future Perfect. Thanks thank a lot, mate. Thank Have you, my friend. Day. Cheers. Yeah. Bye. Cheers, Bye. And there you have it, folks. Episode 158 is in the books. Episode 158. I'm just, I'm blessed because I now have friends, including you, around the world who we share a common vibe, we share a common feeling, and we share this appreciation for, for humans and for their story and for their journey. And it, beer is important, but I think this episode, again, you know, just kind of affirms that, you know, as Daryl said, he wasn't really into beer and he's come to appreciate that. But I would argue that he really has come to appreciate the experience and the sensory and the connection and the friendship that goes with that. Uh, and that's really, to me, you know, even just the stories of how he said, in, you know, when he was in South Africa and, you know, with wine, you'd come to somebody's house, you'd bring that and you'd come back. And it's this, it's this thoughtful, you know, multi-dimension connection with people that it's not just about the moment it's about this long relationship and this building and growing together and that's what I really think is important I don't really think I mean I have beers that I like and there's beers that I chase and and what have you and you know and I could see how from folks on the outside I could think that maybe you know a beer nerd or snobby or, or what have you but when you come to my home I don't care where where it was from or you know what that was or how much it cost me if it is going to heighten our experience and our time together any one of the any one of the crew of mine locally or, or whatever who's been here will know that you know we do events you know when i say events this means we have people over or we do movies in the backyard and i, I just ask folks you know a lot of times not to bring anything and they'll and they'll kind of do what you know you know, Daryl's mentioning and bring something and we usually don't drink it that night and I'll have it later or when they come back or, you know, whatever. And for me, that's just, it's just such a, it's such a great thing. And I know that, you know, they say that, 
you know, distance makes the, you know, the heart grow fonder or, you know, something like that. Um, and that's really how I feel. I think that, you know, I definitely have drank more of those special beers with my wife or, you know, virtually with, with people. But when I go in the basement and I'm, you know, helping with the laundry or going out to the garage and I see them there, I'm thinking, oh, there's just all these memories are just waiting to happen. And if you're listening and, you know, you're somebody's wanted to try something or you think that maybe I can get it for you, you know, I don't know. Maybe we can find a way to, to bring us all together and have some sort of, you know, sharing group or what have you. But um, for me, I always, 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 always want to share beer. And I think that one of the things I've been you know, trying to do with uh, the Black is Beautiful project is to reach out to some of the great you know, crew that we've met and friends and family that we've made during this and just, you know, try to have that experience. You know, uh, Jay... Uh, you know, Williams, he, you know, he bought a glass and, you know, thanks Jay for that. And, you know, he was able to get, um, you know, the, a black is beautiful, you know, set of cans. And he knew that I really wanted to try that. And so, you know, we found out that we had a mutual friend. And then when he was picking up the glass, he brought me one of those and I gave him beers and we didn't have a beer together yet. You know, we have, but it was really this idea that we were just kind of looking out for each other. And so, you know, I reached out to a friend in, uh, you know, the Pacific Northwest and got some great notions version of Black is Beautiful. And I have a few extras that I'll share with friends. And that's really what it's all about, folks. I mean, I, I can't I can't say enough. I mean, I love beer and all that stuff, but it's it's just not that's just not what it's all about. So just take a moment. You know, appreciate the time, appreciate, uh, you know, what you have. And uh, it's just, you know, it's just beer, you know, and we're all people and we're all doing beautiful things and we're all, you know, missing each other. And, uh, you know, it'll be a wonderful time when we all get together. You know, I think that uh, beer beer events and festivals can get a little, get a little boozy, but I think there'll be a lot of hugs and tears and love in the future. And I will be a part of that and hopefully hopefully with you. So until next time, we talk to you soon. We thank you. And uh, thanks, Daryl. Talk to you soon.